Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thanks to David Miles and Rosie B for that last half hour. And uh, Patrick, to get my day started, I'm going to spend a whole hour with Ken Samples. He's been gone for a while and he's back. He's a philosopher and a theologian, and he loves helping people understand the reasonableness and the relevance of the truth of truth claims of Christianity. You can learn more about him at reasons.org. Today we're going to talk about stretching your mind. Um, Ken has written a number of books that include uh, Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. Hello, Ken. Hello, Bill. It's good to be with you. And no kidding, you've been gone for months and months and months, and it's so nice to have you back. I, I had Fuzz Rana on not that long ago, and he said, yeah, I saw Ken in the office, and he looks fantastic. Well, I missed you. I missed uh, Rosie, and uh, thank you for having me on one more time. Oh, absolutely. I hope you're back in a regular time slot because we enjoy hearing from you every month, and and I'm looking forward to our time today, especially because I haven't talked to you in a while. Well, you are, uh, in my humble opinion, one of the finest uh, talk show hosts I have had the opportunity to work with, so the honor's mine. Ah, thank you for that. So we're going to talk today about, what, stretching our minds? Yeah, um, maybe a little context might help before be we kind of look at the points. Um, Bill, I think all of your listeners have heard the, the motto for the United Negro College Fund. It's been on for decades, and it's foreboding and challenging. It says, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Now, what hits me about that is... Let's plug in the biblical worldview. The Bible says we're made in the image of God. I think a reasonable conclusion is we're made in the image of God in that we resemble God. Now, of course, we resemble him in a finite way. He's infinite and eternal. We're, we're finite and temporal. But to have a mind that is patterned after the triune God is what I would say a fortiori, a terrible thing to waste. That is all the more a terrible thing to waste. And the context of these kind of reading tips is really to encourage Christians to love God with the mind that, look, um, you know, the intellectual life isn't everything, but the Bible is very clear. Jesus himself says, love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I really think what he means by that is your entire being. So I'm going to talk a little bit about how reading is such a such a great thing to to build our mind, to read scripture, the greatest of all the great books. So that's a little context. Okay, now you slipped I think a Latin word in there, fortiori. And a fortiori, yeah. Fortiori. So I think uh, if I remember my Latin when I was in high school, it means with a greater force. That's it. All okay. the more. All if, the more. If a mind is a terrible thing to waste, a mind made in God's image is is 
in greater force a terrible thing to waste. Yeah, okay, I love this opening statement you made, putting us in, in a context, because if we are patterned after, made in the image of God, then, yes, our mind is pretty important, and how we use it and cultivate it is, is critical. And if I could add an apologetic context, just, just a moment here, Bill, you know, lots of scientists are now saying that human beings are exceptional creatures. Now, what they mean by that is compared to the animals, and this isn't a put down on the animals, I mean, some animals have sight, smelling, and hearing that is far superior to human beings. But, but what human exceptionalism means is that humans appear to be different than the animals, not just in degree. That is, it's not that we have a little bit more than the animals, but we're in a different kind, a different category. And I, I, when I read these scientists, they talk a lot about our capacity for symbolism. That is, you know, children can blend letters and create words that correspond to ideas. And so one of the I, one of the principles that makes us exceptional is these remarkable uh, language skills that we can speak, listen, read, write, and and I think that this is right in right in line with the biblical view. Um, if we're made in the image of God, I think we should expect humans to be exceptional creatures. No, I I agree completely. Uh, Ken Samples is my guest. You can learn more about Ken at reasons.org. So it sounds like what's up first, Ken, is how important it is to read. Now, that's not going to work for everybody, but I do want you to say more. Yeah. Um, and, and in many respects, these uh, these tips that I'm going to give are taken from a book that Bill changed my life. Okay. Um, I wasn't a, a very serious student in my younger years. I wanted to be a professional baseball player, and I was out hitting balls and fielding grounders instead of studying. But I became a Christian my first year in college, or at least I began to take my faith more seriously. And I ran across the book because I, I knew my reading skills were not great. I came across a book by Mortimer Adler, one of the great philosophers of the 20th century, has a co-author named Charles Van Doren. And the book is entitled, this is a catchy title, How to Read a Book. <laughs> I have and to, you know, yeah. that, that book, it really uh, turned my intellectual world upside down. And, uh, you know, there was a study done recently by Stanford and uh, they studied uh, students working in, on a PhD in literature, and they did an MRI of their brain while they were reading one of the classics, and they noticed an extraordinary blood flow. So reading does something to our brain, and of course our brain and mind from a biblical point of view, we're a union. So those are pretty exciting things. Reading can do a lot of good for you. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, I want to hear a little bit more about how to read a book and why this book had such an impact on you. Yeah, well, the book uh, was actually written in 1940. It's been a bestseller since 1940. Uh, Mortimer Adler was a philosopher, a leading educator. Uh, he spent the, yeah, I think he was born in 1902 and, and uh, died in 2001. I got a chance to email. I mean, this was one of the highlights of my life. He was he was very old. And uh, I talked to his associate and I and I sent him an email and I said, Dr. Adler, I just want to tell you, you uh, you 
changed the way I was educated. You influenced the way I educated my kids. And he sent me back an email and he said, you made my day. Well, mm. this, this book, how to read a book, it just, it, it helps you to understand how to read. It talks about skimming. It talks about analytical reading. It talks about how to read different genres of literature. And uh, what I loved about it is it was filled with, uh, with reflection. And it really taught me that uh, if I want to take ideas seriously, uh, mastering reading skills is one of the best things I can do. Mm-hmm. Did it teach you to read slowly? You know that's a, that's a great question mm-hmm. because uh, to to read analytically, um, you know that's a- analytical reading is very deliberative reading. You're you're starting page one, going through the whole book. I mean, it's really paying a lot of attention. I mean, you can skim a book, and that's where you kind of read the summaries, you read the back cover, mm-hmm. you read the table of contents. But analytical reading is very deliberative. But here's an interesting point that Adler makes. He says you should not read any faster or slower than is necessary. And he says most of us read too slowly. Oh, okay. He actually has, he says, put your finger under the line and move it ahead. But obviously, you have, if you're going to read a great book, and certainly if you're going to read the greatest of the great books, the Bible, you want to you want to read carefully. You want to read deliberately. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Now, I, I don't know if I always sort of thought my reading and comprehension skills were really bad. Sometimes I'd read a page and I would I would go to turn the page and I'd go, "Oh, wait a minute! What did I just read? And what's in my head right now?" And then I go have to go back and read it a second time. And I go, "Oh, there it is! I, I got it the second time, not the first. So, what was I doing wrong the first time?" Well, it. I know with me, you know, the mind can be distracted. The number one, the mind is is lazy. You have to push it. Uh, it's easily distracted. Uh, it's it's also uh, the reality that sometimes you have to read things multiple times. Yes. I mean, some things are are very powerful. I mean, if we look at a biblical context, sometimes I'm reading Paul or John. They're talking about the person of Christ, and I'm like, wow, I got. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta read that again. I gotta underline it. I gotta think about it. So it's, you know, sometimes it's because we're distracted, but sometimes serious reading really requires a lot of attention. And uh, Adler, by the way, says that if you read a great book, and he and he defines a great book as a book you can't exhaust. He says you really haven't read it unless you've read it multiple times. Yes, yeah, that, that I believe. All right, Ken, let me take a little break. Ken Samples is my guest. We're learning from Ken today. Getting to get some tips, some five reading tips to stretch your mind and how important it is to read and to learn. And that is the topic we're going to return to in just a minute. Be right back. Listen to Faith Radio Live or on demand no matter where you go. Download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. Ken Samples is my guest. 
You can learn more about him at reasons.org. He's an author, philosopher, theologian. I always like having Ken on. We're talking today about uh, stretching your mind, and we're learning five reading tips. So I think right before the break, Ken, we got on the topic of, of starting to challenge ourselves. So let's, let's continue down that. Yeah, that's the that's the first tip, and and you know what's interesting, Bill, is I often recommend books to students uh, at school, people at church, neighbors. You know, they they know I am a philosopher, a theologian, and hey, uh, can you recommend a book on this subject or that subject? And of course, I always do. I've got about five thousand books in my library. Reading is a critical part of my life, but oftentimes they'll come back to me and they'll say, uh, Ken thanks for the recommendation, but that book's over my head. <laughs> yeah. that, that book is beyond me. Mm-hmm. And now, now granted, you want to kind of build up. I mean, when I first read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, one of the classics of the 20th century, in my view, it was kind of hard for me when I first went through it. But after I really started challenging myself and pushing myself, now Mere Christianity is one of the easier books. Mm. Uh Lewis has a number of other books, uh, miracles that are that are much more rigorous. So I think when we're talking about challenging ourselves, um, if you really want to read, and and I don't mean reading for information, I mm-hmm. mean reading for for wisdom and and know-how to kind of explore the big issues of, of life, you have to read books that really will challenge you and force you to grow. It's, it's okay to say, hey, that, that's got some terminology I'm, I'm not quite familiar with, or hey, I need to read that. In fact, here's a couple quotes from Adler and Van Doren. They say, you will not improve as a reader if all you read are books that are well within your capacity. That is, you know, you read a, a, a classic, it's like, wow, that that's pushing me. It's very different than reading the newspaper, very different than, let's say, me reading a book about baseball. But reading a book that talks about the problem of evil, the existence of God, or books that talk about, uh, you know, critical issues, you're not going to improve if, hey, I got, I, I basically have all of that down. And so they also say this, Adler and Van Rohn, only books of that sort, that is, that challenge you, will make you stretch your mind. And unless you stretch, you will not learn. So that first one is you want to read books that will challenge you and don't be intimidated by it. I mean, I started with mere Christianity. For me, that was kind of tough at at the first time, but I continued to grow. And reading classic books are different than reading just ordinary books. In the sense that you you never feel like you get to the end of it. I mean, have you ever read the book of Romans and said, oh, I got it down. I don't oh, need never. to read that. Never. I own it. No, 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 no. Absolutely no. not. That's right. And, you know, I read the confessions. I read other books and I think, wow, I, I caught a lot out of that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm reading it again. Yeah. Challenge yourself. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the content of some of these wonderful books. And is it also okay Ken, to get this particular book, whatever it is, on tape and listen to it? What about somebody that might have a vision issue and they just have difficulty reading? Um, or another listener just chimed in with, what about people with dyslexia? So it might this might be hard news for some people. Yeah, I'm so glad you raised those points. Those are really good. Now, let me, let me address the issue of uh, books on tape. 
I remember for a long time I thought, no, you need to you need to have your physical book. You need to be reading it. But you know what? I uh, I have a fairly lengthy commute, and I started listening to books on tape, and uh, I got so much out of it. It was remarkable, uh, and I I think um, you know our technology has done us a lot of. Uh, benefits and one of them we can listen to books on tape uh now there there are people with dyslexia um but there are ways of uh helping that and improving that in fact some reading programs have have certain exercises that can kind of help with that but a lot of time i i have a high view of listening to books on tape oh good in fact i listen to how to read a book on tape Hmm. Uh, how long ago did you did you listen to that? Is that something that they came out with recently, or has that been around for a while? It's been around a, a long time. Okay. I I I hadn't. Uh, I'd only read it, read the physical book, but then I came across and I thought, hey, I, nice. You know, I got an hour commute, and at the end of the day, I've heard two hours of of wonderful thinking. Yeah. So I know, Ken, you live in Southern California, so you have an hour commute. So how far is that traveling? Two miles? Uh, <laughs> a little bit more. Okay. Uh, I remember I was. I remember I was on. I think it was the. It was the four hundred five. Oh yeah, Bill. The lovely four hundred five. I was on the four hundred five, and it was uh, a parking lot, <laughs> and I tracked it. It took me twenty minutes to go a mile. Oh boy, that was tough. This is why it's good to have books on tape that are feeding your mind and not. You're not sitting in traffic feeling frustrated. That's exactly right. I yeah. you know the, the remarkable thing. I got my hand at two and ten, and I'm paying attention. But somehow that mind is able to bring things in, and then I get to work, and I'm talking to Fuzzrana. Hey, I just heard this on this book on tape, and yeah. I'm off and running. Yeah, Ken, I hate to correct your driving, but it's not two and ten anymore. It's four and six. Did you know that? I didn't. Yeah, because of the because of the airbags. So you want to you want your hands Ooh. on four and six now. Because if the airbag comes flying out, that's that's a better position. So, yeah. Well, you, you see why you're the best talk show host. <laughs> I'm filled with a lot of useless information, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, but anyway, so books on tape. Um, I would, you know, did one of the authors of how to how to read a book uh, do the books on tape? Was it Dr. Adler? No, the, the they have a narrator. Okay, and it, it is it is not. Um, uh, either of the authors. Okay. And of course, I think that the book on tape came after uh, Adler had passed away. Okay. But uh, it is a person, and uh, sometimes it's a man, sometimes it's a woman. I, I'll give you an example. I read recently uh, Confessions, and what I did is I listened to it on tape, but I actually followed along with my finger in Ooh. my physical book. And I really, I really love the narrator, Bill, because he knew the Latin, he knew all the kind of language elements, but he he read in such a way with emphasis that I thought he actually is conveying the way it was meant to be read. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, I do that all the time with scripture. I, I will listen to it being spoken and I'll follow along in God's word. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, yeah. uh, St. Augustine, when he was dying, he had his, his associate write some of the penitential psalms 
on the ceiling above his bed. Mm. So as he was lying there, he could he could read it. So, wow. I love that. And I love the principle of finding things that will stretch you because that's been our, that principle has been around forever. I mean, I grew up as a kid playing tennis and the only thing I wanted to do was play with people better than me. Hey, no pain, no gain. No pain, you know, no gain, uh, yeah. Absolutely right. I mean, when I played baseball, I wanted to hit against the better pitchers right. and uh, right. they, they were, they were tough, but I got better. That's how you get better. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So good point. All right. Um, how about moving on to maybe tip number two? Yeah. I call this setting a daily time goal and uh, I'll take a deep breath. All I'm right. going to recommend that your, your listeners Dedicate at least two hours a day to serious reading. Now, now before that takes your breath away, um, to me, uh, I know that seems unrealistic, but think about how much time, Bill, that all of us spend on entertainment, on on television, uh, you know, listening to music. Uh, two hours is a lot, and and maybe maybe you can't do that. Maybe maybe you're going to have to start with fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're maybe. Start with reading a psalm, mm-hmm. uh, but that kind of that kind of setting of a goal that hey I, I'm I'm serious about learning I I want to read some of these books I want to read scripture regularly I'm going to have a I'm going to have a, a daily goal and you could incorporate your devotion along with it um, you know th- that that would work. Uh, but if we're going to grow in knowledge and wisdom, you, ha- you have to work at it. If you want to be a good tennis player, you want to be a good baseball player, it's got to be something that becomes part of your life. And look, I read a lot, but I also watch, uh, you know, I watch movies on Prime. Uh, there are times where I'm doing other things. Uh, you know, entertainment's important. Mm-hmm. So two hours or even doing it daily might be a challenge, but maybe look at it in light of, other, could you give up some other things? Yeah, good point. So Ken, you have a hard day thinking and processing and doing your full day of work. Do you get home at night and do you find refuge in reading or do you want to go a little bit on the brain numbing side and watch a, a sports game or something or some TV? It, I would say- It does represent I, I, a challenge. Yeah, I would say certainly the case. Um, I have an intense job, and there are times where I I like to come home, uh, be with my wife, uh, and you know, uh, watch a watch a movie or watch the Dodgers or the Lakers. Sure. A- absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me absolutely. Take, yeah, let me take a little break, and we're going to come back with Ken's samples. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we want to encourage you to become better readers, or Maybe if you have some issues with your vision, you're going to listen to books on tape. And that way you're going to get that reading in, but you're going to be having it read to you. That sounds like a lovely thing. So uh, you can learn more about Ken at reasons.org. We'll be right back.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining me today. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a philosopher and theologian, and he has a really a passion to help people understand the reasonableness and the relevance of Christianity's truth claims. He's a senior research fellow at uh, Reasons to Believe, and he's authored several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. Today, we're learning some tips on how to stretch our minds uh, through reading. Um, And Ken, I got a couple of comments that have come in over the break, over just this last break. Someone said, hey, at my local library, there's 15 copies of the book. That's a good thing. Um, Another person said, I love to read. I love using a Kindle when traveling. I don't like the clutter, um, but too much online activity isn't good for the brain. And that's probably not any good thing to do right before bed. So sometimes a physical book is maybe even a better thing to do at night or get the book on tape. You know, those are very thoughtful points. I mean, I've looked at studies about uh, reading books on tape, uh, reading, you know, on a Kindle, an e-book versus reading a physical book. And all of the studies I've seen that when it comes to comprehension and memory, people do a lot better reading the physical books. Uh, Now, Kindle and and e-books are getting better. They look more like books. Mm -hmm. That scrolling idea is not that's not good for for learning and and um you know going to a library i mean in our in our day if i you know when i was growing up if i wanted to get some books we we had about 100 books in my home growing up i think uh, that wasn't a, a lot but it was more than some but i would go to the library and check out books and you know what, Bill, when I go to a bookstore, and and here I'm a little critical of Amazon. I love it that Amazon is so convenient. I love it that I magically take out my card and money disappears from my account <laughs> and magically the book ends up at my yeah. door. And I uh-huh. think, wow. But you know what? I It means I don't get to go to bookstores and libraries. And I, uh, Aristotle had a term called eudaimonia. It meant an inner sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and and happiness i feel that when i'm in a bookstore so i miss i miss that kind of thing but yeah um look uh there's a lot of conveniences of reading an ebook but there's something special about a physical book and i'm i'm one of those dinosaurs i love physical books mhm i find that fascinating and and that whole bookstore bookstores are are lovely and they can be um, an exciting place to be, but there's just not that many of them around like there once was 25 years ago. That's exactly right. Yeah. I, th- that's true. I mean, I used to go to a very large used bookstore and I'd spend hours there and, you know, there just aren't a lot of them. Yeah. It's really fun to go to some bookstores like in Europe and you realize that this is when it really gets fun. Yeah. Wow. Great. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, we talked a little bit about setting up a daily time goal. You suggested two hours, which is not unreasonable given all the options you have in any given day. And so maybe if we just get up a little earlier and we just adjust how we start our day, we're going to make more time available. Is that 
what you're thinking? It is, and and I I don't want to scare anybody off. I mean, uh, these are these are these are meant to be challenging. You know, some of us can't give two hours. We might start with fifteen minutes. We might start with a half an hour. I I mean these more to be goals. You know, we're we're moving ahead. I mean, a lot of us. I I study the Bible a lot. I still feel like there are areas of Scripture. Wow, I'd, I'd like to spend more time with. So when I talk about our third tip, get up early, it really kind of relates to my own experience. And here here here's how that happened. When I was in college, uh, during the day, I worked at a thrift store. Um, it was a charitable organization, and we would go around and get people's used furniture. And so I was lifting couches and driving the truck around, and I was kind of fatigued. And then I'd take my night classes, and by the time I got home, I couldn't study for exams. I my I was tired. Mm-hmm. I and what I discovered is, you know, I got up really early. Mm. I I got up at 5 a.m. Whoa, that's uh that's early. But I didn't have to be to work until about eight, so I could get a couple hours in. I noticed that my mind was fresh, I could concentrate. Now, it doesn't mean uh that everybody needs to get up at five o'clock to get two hours in. What I mean is think about a time where you can read and you are really prepared. You can focus. Your mind, your mind is strong. And and I've always discovered that I do better on exams if I study the morning of the exam rather mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, the night before. So get up early could simply mean, hey, is there, uh, we want to try to do it daily. We want to, we want to carve out some time, but we also want to do it at a time in which we're really prepared. And I mean, you know, reading the book of Acts, um, I want to focus. I want my mind to be focused. I, I want to have it strong. So that's that's tip three. And you can adjust it whatever way that's best for you. Mm-hmm. I have a guest, a regular guest on the show, Ken, and he always says the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is a pencil. Wow, I like it. Yeah, I, I, I like it. So, are you a yeah. note taker when you're reading, or do you underline, or what do you what do you do to say, I want my mind to be able to return to this what I just read and be able to communicate it to somebody else? Now, I'm going to hold my thunder there because that comes out in number five. Okay, but, but I'm going to tell you beforehand. Absolutely, I'm a I'm a pencil toter. Okay, <laughs> I, uh, all right. But, I'm going to say more of that when we get to number five. Okay, good. So we're going to challenge ourselves. We're going to try to read books that are going to take us a little out of our our normal comfort zone. And then we're going to try to set up a daily time goal. So we're going to just say, look, I want to be reading and then pick a time just to get started. Let's say it's going to be 15 minutes or or five minutes or 30. And you're in the two-hour range. So you're you're, uh, you're more of a probably a an elite reader group, um, but also then we want to make sure we're engaging our mind when our minds are fresh. So maybe that involves getting up early. And it does seem after about eight o'clock, Ken, I don't know how how uh, you feel at night, but from eight to 10.30 maybe, it's not super productive time. And, you know, my, I'm not that focused and I have a hard time 
absorbing things at that time of night, I'm much better off getting up early. Yeah, I, I, it, it, it was really kind of interesting to me because you know, for a long time as a student, I just stay up till two or three in the morning. Then when I woke up, I was like, oh, but getting up early, I, I noticed a difference uh, because I had a physical job. Yeah. Uh, after a good night's sleep, I felt good. I, I found the time that was good for me. That's that's what I'm suggesting for, for your listeners okay. who want to grow. Yeah. Did you also have a cheap alarm clock that didn't have a snooze button? <laughs> well, uh, I... Uh, that, that's right. You you, yeah. you want something because it's pretty easy to sleep in. Yeah, you put it on the other side of the room, so you have to get out of bed to shut it off. There you go. I yeah. like it. Yeah, that, that's the trick. All right, let's uh, move on to tip number four. Tip number four is ask questions. And here I'm going to bring us back to uh, Adler and Van Doren's book again. You know, um, they have different types of reading. Uh, analytical reading is very deliberative, very careful. You're you're trying to take in as much as you possibly can. And what is characteristic of analytical reading is you get in the habit of, as you're reading, you're asking yourself questions and you pursue those, uh, the answers to those questions in the book that you're, you're reading. And so, you know, what is this book about? What, what is this author trying to say? What is what is their claim? How are they trying to support it? Is it a good argument? Uh, analytical reading, it will increase your knowledge, but it'll also increase your your uh, uh, in terms of wisdom. So Socrates was one of the great philosophers in ancient Athens. He was one of the great teachers. Sometimes he's compared with people like um, uh, uh, Gautama, the great uh, uh, Buddhist teacher, uh, or they're compared with Confucius, or sometimes they're compared with Christ, who I see as the greatest of the teacher. Jesus isn't just our Lord and Savior, although that's the critical foundation. Jesus is also a, a wise person. He is a sage. Well, we want to get in the habit of asking questions and so as we're reading, we're thinking, "Hey, where's this book going? What, what is it? Uh, what is what, what is it that's being argued? Let me let me put a, put the argument here. This this is that uh, Socratic type of method where uh, I think all learning is deeply enhanced, Bill, when it is engaged in asking critical questions and then looking for answers. Now. When I'm in a classroom, I can ask questions of the professor. He or she can communicate, but I can also do it in a secondary way when I read a book. Mm-hmm. I think of the author. Hey, I'm I'm asking these questions. Let's see if he's going to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. So get in the habit of, of asking questions. And of course, this isn't something you can do while you're sleepy. It isn't something you can do unless you're disciplined. You want to you wanna make the reading as rigorous as you can by asking thoughtful questions. Mm-hmm. And Ken, remind us again, what happens to our brain when we engage it in reading? Yeah, here is a very interesting study I, I came across. Uh, it was a Stanford study, and it talked about the mental benefits of analytical reading. Uh, the article, it says, this is your brain on Jane Austen. The Stanford <laughs> researchers are taking notes. Uh-huh. So 
Jane Austen, of course, 19th century English novelist, wrote multiple books. And here is uh, here is what the article said. It says, researchers observe the brain patterns of literary PhD candidates while they were reading a Jane Austen novel. The fMRI images suggest that literary reading provides, quote, a truly valuable exercise of people's brains. Now, here is the author, uh, Corey Gold Goldman, said this, in an innovative interdisciplinary study, neurobiological experts, radiologists, and humanities scholars are working together to explore the relationship between reading, attention, and distraction by reading Jane Austen. And then they say this, surprising preliminary results reveal a dramatic and unexpected increase in blood flow to regions of the brain beyond those reasonable for responsible for executive function. Now, here, here's here's a powerful point. How, uh, you know, from a biblical point of view, we're made in the image of God. We're a unity of body and soul. We could say we're, uh, we're a unity of, of uh, mind and brain. That there's something about reading that allows the, the brain to, to function in a unique way. And mm. boy, as you get older, uh, I'm going to I'm going to speculate a little bit but I think one of the reasons why Mortimer Adler lived to be 99 was he was such an extraordinary person in terms of the life of the mind now that's just one point obviously a lot of things uh the most important thing is the good lord decides how long you're going to live mm -hmm. but you, you also are involved by the decisions you make but uh Rigorous intellectual activity is good uh, for our brain, for our mind. Mm -hmm. And depending on the work we read, it's good for our soul. Yeah. So the brain, mind, and spirit all benefit from extensive reading. And why why are why did God give us a book? Why why did God give to the Jewish community and the Christian community a book? Uh, now, of course, the Muslims have their book. But what's interesting, Bill, is if you look back in history, most of the pagan religions, their religion was more ceremony, less kind of built around uh, a a book uh, and propositions and things of that nature. So that idea of people of the book, it goes back to, to the Judeo-Christian roots. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Ken Samples is my guest. He is a philosopher and theologian, if you couldn't tell. We're going to take a break and come back and continue to uh, discuss how important it is to be reading and what that does to our brain and how it helps us uh, with our brain and our mind and our spirit. The brain-mind-spirit benefit from extensive reading. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome 
Welcome back to the show. Ken Samples is my guest. He's a philosopher and theologian. We're talking about the importance of reading. Ken, uh, I think I've heard a lot of people say that if you want to evaluate yourself over the next five years, it will be really down to the people you hang out with and the books you read. You know, that's a powerful point. I was uh, I was reading C.S. Lewis, and Lewis had an interesting comment. He says... Uh, he says, when we talked about friendship, he says it makes good people better and bad people worse. Kind of relates to your comment there in the sense of where do we want to be? I, I want to spend time with people that will encourage me, that will yeah. challenge me, inspire me. I want to read books that will encourage me, challenge me, and, and inspire me. So there, I think there's a parallel. Mm-hmm. So as I was doing some ad- ad- advanced reading on Tip number five, I realized that I wonder if my friend who gave me that counsel about Bible study also read that same book. Because uh, you talk about tip number five, make the book your own. Do say more about that. Absolutely. And I'm taking this again directly from How to Read a Book. Adler and Van Doren, they say you don't read without a pencil. Uh, and, and I like pencils because I can erase. Mm-hmm. I can, you know... So you want to read a book with a pencil in hand. You want to underline key ideas. You want to identify key vocabulary. You you can even restate the argument. You can summarize. I love to enumerate, okay, here's the three most important points. Now, what's interesting about this, Bill, is if I do some really good note-taking, some thoughtful note-taking, I may not have to go back and read that book again. I may be able to refer back to it. Oh, yeah, here's why I read that book. Here Mm -hmm. are are these uh, critical notes. Now, making a book your own, um, I I remember the first love letter that I wrote to my wife, who was then my girlfriend. I wrote it in pencil. And she said, you mean you're writing a love letter to me in pencil? I said, yeah, I wanted to get it right. I, I, (laughs) I had to race and uh-huh. all of those kinds of things. Uh-huh. Well, look, here we're talking about uh, you getting comfortable. Now, now you, if you get a book from the library and you have to return it, then you can't underline. But if it's a book you own, you can do all kinds of note-taking. And if you were to look at my library, you can open up a book. You'll see notes at the bottom of the page. You'll see inside cover. I might say, here are the five key points. Page this, page that. Whatever helps you in terms of you coming closer to what the author writes. And and I'm big on remembering. Um, I... Uh, I can't compare to C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said that he thought he remembered everything he read. And Bill, there are a lot of uh, his former students who would say he'd send them into the study, get a book. Lewis couldn't see the book. He said, just pick a paragraph at random and read it. And they'd read it. Lewis, without seeing the book, would give them the title, would tell them what what the context, where it went next. And I'm like... uh, I love C.S. Lewis, but I'm no C.S. Lewis. Wow. It's amazing. But you know, if you have the capacity to say, hey, I want to make that book intelligible. I want to get more out of it. And I might have to slow down, a little underlining, key vocabulary, outline the arguments. And one of the things I really want to say, Bill, and I want all of your listeners to hear it, and that is, this is not intended to beat anybody up. 
this is intended to take, you know, one step at a time. Uh, we're people of a book. The Bible uh, is important to us. Other books are important to us. Uh, you may have to adjust this list. You may have to massage this list. But I, I want to encourage people to appreciate that, you know, the Lord has made us in his image and we have lots of potential. Uh, you know, people have different abilities or in different places, but all of us can grow. So I want this to be more encouraging and motivating than saying, wow, who could do that? I mean, I'm not C.S. Lewis, but I can do my best. Well, Ken, I appreciate you saying that because... Talking about reading for two hours is intimidating, even to me, and I, I, li I like to read. I'm easily distracted, and that's something that bugs me. And I will sometimes think in the evening, I can't wait to curl up with a book. But then 15 minutes later, I'm starting to think, mm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm absorbing a lot right now. So yeah. you're right about the early morning thing. I do find that if I have a good cup of coffee in the morning and, and had a reasonable night of sleep— I am much more focused without any of the day's distractions yet. So that to me is the best time. Uh, and sometimes I think, why not just go to bed and get up versus trying to work my way through a book in the evening? These are all uh, suggestions. Yeah. These are all things you can think about. I had a one of my friends recently told me that he started reading one hour a day. And he said, after a couple of months, he said, I just had a sense of how more fulfilling my discussions were with my colleagues, that I was sharper. I was, ideas were, were, were percolating out. And, you know, again, take the list, make some adjustments, try one or two, three or four, uh, check your progress, see if there isn't some fruit that that grows from this. And uh, I know for me, um, you know, learning is a very important uh, part. And, and I think the way to think about it is not, a lot of times Christians feel like, you know, being an intellectual, you're just, that's kind of snobbish. You know, that's kind of arrogant. It, there's pride. And I have to admit, one of my struggles is pride. Um, but the way I try to think about it is I say, Lord, it's about loving you. It's it's about loving you with all that I am, not just my moral choices, but also my intellectual choices. I want to love you with my mind. I want to love you with my heart. I want to be a loving, gracious, kind. Uh, but when somebody comes to me, I hope they'll also find that I have the virtue of wisdom. And so, uh, again, the, yeah, these are these are kind of uh, a bold. And, uh, but all I mean them is to, to help people to, to start a path where they can get more out of their reading. Mm -hmm. I like that very much. I've heard a couple of authors. One said that he wanted to read one page a day with a, with a pen or a pencil that he's writing notes down. And another uh, author I, I heard say that, uh, five pages a day. That's the goal. Just five pages a day. And I thought, well, that's pretty doable. Both of, both of those yeah. are pretty doable. And he said, if you take one page a day in 180 days, you've, you've read a lot with a big notebook full of notes. Even if you don't consider yourself a reader, you've made a lot of progress in six months. That's right. I mean, think about our 
Bill, you and I have been reading and studying the Bible for decades. Mm-hmm. And you can look at our Bibles and you'll see notes and outlines and arrows and points. And that didn't just happen. It happened a little bit at a time. Uh, when I got older, I was a little more sophisticated. I was able to do that. So, you know, inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And Ken, one of the things, I, one of my prized possessions is my mother's Bible. And oh, I just, wonderful. you know you know what I love about it? I don't even have to tell you. It's all her handwritten notes that are in it. You know, Bill, my mom died about, I think, 16 years ago now. So she's been gone a while, and I, I miss her. I, re- I have this memory of being in third grade and coming home. And I walked into the house, and my mom was a homemaker. And uh, she was ironing the clothes. And as she was ironing the clothes, I could see her eyes move back and forward. And she was reading a book. And that just... <laughs> That just stayed in my mind. And I'll tell you one thing I loved about Adler. Adler spent a lot of time with not professional scholars. He liked teaching people who were laypersons. He wanted wanted people who uh, didn't have advanced education. He wanted them to see the 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 great benefits of of reading mm-hmm. and you know my mom was not well educated she uh formally she grew up during the great depression lived on a farm in west virginia but my mom had a strong mind and she loved to read Beautiful. and i i think about her a lot in those terms no lovely ken thank you so much for being on the show it's been a delight having you back thank you bill you bet ken samples has been my guest you can go to reasons.org to learn more about ken Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.